Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for that many blessings. We ask you to shower your Holy Spirit down upon us and upon your people. Give us the grace to know your will and to do it with our hearts devoted to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pope St. John Paul the Great, pray for us. Pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Today, my guest is Mr. Nathaniel Rhea. He is the headmaster at John Paul the Academy here in Lafayette. Great guy, young guy, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. He's got some things he needs to talk about today and uh, with a fundraiser. And uh, Welcome to the show, Nathaniel. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate Thank you time. for being here. So tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm, I'm flattered to be on the Cajun Catholic Show because I feel like this makes me an honorary Cajun now. Absolutely. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, but I'm actually from Michigan originally and uh, taught kind of hither and yon throughout the United States and most recently worked in Texas, founded a school there, and then felt the call to come to Lafayette. God was, uh, God was tugging on my heartstrings and... Where in Texas? I was in San Antonio most recently. Ah, is that where the school you found? That's where the school I found it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I was sharing with you, uh, our last guest on the show was my my daughter and son-in-law. They're from San Antonio, or they moved to San Antonio. And uh, it's a really cool place. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I like San Antonio. So tell me a little bit more about your background. Uh, growing up, when you were small, where, what was that like? Well, I was homeschooled. I was raised in a very devout Catholic family. There were six of us kids. Uh, Mom and Dad were very serious about the faith, kept us at church, uh, adoration, uh, weekly mass, um, confession pretty often, and, of course, meals together, rosary uh, pretty often, prayer together every night for sure. Just a very devout home uh, and upbringing. A lot of it was, was also... Uh, kindled by the fact that we were in a very devout community as well. Our parish was very vibrant, had a very uh, devout priest who cared a lot about the souls that he were under his care, and that was just a beautiful thing. I was homeschooled, and so we had the opportunity to, um, as many public school kids didn't, uh, had the opportunity to go to daily mass during the week and just experience the faith on a very regular basis. Uh, we grew up pretty rural, so I was a country boy and had a lot of... Uh, we have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fishing, a lot of tromping in the woods, hunting snakes, all those sorts of things. So it was, it was a good life. I like to say that uh, I grew up in books uh, and in the outdoors. So That's great. I grew up in Youngsville before Youngsville was metropolitan, I guess, like it is now. But yeah. uh, we, were, we were country boys, and I'm one of six as well. We have a lot in common. Wow. So tell me how the Holy Spirit moved you to come to Lafayette, Louisiana. Well... You know, the Holy Spirit's a, a great guy. and hard My to, favorite. <laughs> hard to understand sometimes. So I, to back up a little bit, I, I was part of what's called the Hillsdale College Barney Charter School Initiative. Um, I went to Hillsdale College in my undergrad and then went on to get my master's. But the um, this program is focused on bringing classical education back in the public school realm through charter schools. And I was doing great work there. I uh, had been part of their, their founding schools, uh, had a great relationship with the team there, really loved the work I was doing, and had actually just recently founded a school. When uh, Mr. Rick Cambry called mm-hmm. uh, for the board of That's Lafayette. That's a good Cajun Catholic. Yeah, for the, uh, for the board of John Paul the Great Academy here in Lafayette, and said, hey, would you be interested in having a conversation? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll send over some stuff. Went home and talked to my wife that night. I was like, well, do we want to go to Louisiana? Like, like, do we know anybody there? Is there any sort of connections or <laughs> any, any sort of natural connection, right? Any sort of natural right. reason you'd go? I'm like, well, not really. Okay, you know, Mr. Cambry, thanks for your offer. Maybe here's some other names you can look at, but uh, um, I think we're good for right now. And then about a month went by, and they looked into those names, and they kept 
coming back to my name, they said. And so they said, would you just come out and have a conversation with us? And I said, okay, all right, I'll, I'll come out. Uh, prayed about it, discerned, and you know, maybe I can do something to help the school, um, which was exciting. And so I came to Lafayette. We were scheduled to meet at the cathedral, but the address that had been given to me was actually the address of St. Joseph's Diner. So oh. I drove into town and showed up at St. Joseph's Diner. I was like, this can't be right. There's something something a little bit uh, a little bit not cathedral-like about this place. <laughs> and so I, I figured out where the cathedral was. I ended up at the cathedral and prayed through things and was pretty convinced that God had a different plan for me, but I was just supposed to help out. So I just prayed, God, help me to be a blessing to this school. Whatever uh, whatever it is you want for this school, help me to, to help this school uh, to grow and to, to be what it is you want it to be. And... From there, uh, the interview started, and you know, meeting the board, meeting members of the community, I was just uh, struck again and again and again by how much we had in common, and how I had this great level of classical education, but I was doing it in a secular environment, and wasn't able to bring that full marriage between classical learning and my Catholic faith, which uh, I had yearned for for so long. But uh, the other thing is, you know, when they take you to see the the sisters at Mount Carmel, and uh, they uh, they sit you down and talk you through things. You realize, okay, they're they're this is their background check. They're that's right. That's the sisters. FBI right. of the Catholic Church, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. Uh, and of course, the campus is, is so beautiful. The old uh, Christian Brothers campus there, um, which I know is near and dear to the hearts of many around here, through things like Bow Camp or uh, other things mm-hmm. that people may have done in their younger years uh, on the campus. But the campus is just breathtaking in its natural beauty and its historical uh, significance as well. So, what's in a name? You mentioned uh, they kept coming back to your name, and when when we were planning this interview, I have to make you laugh a little bit. So, his title is headmaster, and that scares me. I just have to be honest with you. It seems like this disciplinarian guy that, 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 especially in a Catholic education, where this guy comes in and beats you, like in the what do they call it? Uh, I forgot that doggone movie. But uh, but anyway, so that is intimidating. What what what? How do they? What what's the deal with the title headmaster? Sure. So. Classical education, uh, we can talk about that in a little while, goes back for a, a long ways. And traditionally, if you were a school teacher, you'd be a school master if you were male and a school mistress if you were female. And the headmaster was the head teacher. And so if you go back to Mary England, you'll find that indeed that's still the case in a lot of cases. We in America use the term principal a lot of times. And generally that denotes someone that just administrates. In a classical education, the headmaster still teaches. The headmaster is considered to be uh, not separate from the faculty. I mean, of course, they're in a leadership role, but they are still doing the work of education. They're still in the gr- on the ground. They're still in the foxhole, as it were, fighting for the children's souls, fighting for their education. Hands-on. Hands-on, very much so, and trying to have that relationship with the teachers and with the students that is very connected and not, not so distant as you might be if you're in an ivory tower just thinking about the numbers all day long. Yeah, I watched Matilda recently, and uh, they put you in the <laughs> what is the, the chokey. That's what I think of. I'm thinking the chokey. <laughs> So anyway, that's my silliness. But really, um, Nathaniel, okay, so um, that's my favorite Bible character. I don't know. You know, for me, I, I had gone on a retreat to, um, to the Abbey in Covington. I don't know if you've been there. And I picked up a random book, uh, Under the Fig Tree. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I just have this – I just love that story about Nathaniel. You familiar with that a little bit? Yeah, or? so actually the my mom shares this story. She talks about how as the only child that she knew whose name and, and what gender the child would be because as she was pregnant with me and she was praying, my mother's a very, very devout woman, has a great relationship with our Lord, and she was uh, caught up in the scriptures that day and was reading through the Gospels and came across the passage as it relates to Nathaniel, and the verse just flew off – 
the page at her and, and she heard a, uh, a voice or so she uh, experienced this sort of inner prompting that his name will be Nathaniel oh. um, and so this idea that he will be without guile and those who know me will know that uh, I'm not one much for guile I'm not very good at uh, I'm not very good at playing games <laughs> I'm a pretty straight shooter uh, and so that that's been my my destiny for good or for ill kind of throughout my life so that's been that's kind of the story that I have ready to that that's verse. really cool I got to go to the Holy Land one time a few years back and um, ended up underneath a fig tree, didn't know it, and, and um, someone had brought that, and I was speaking to a priest that was on our trip, and mm. I don't know, you know, for me that was really cool, but, but you know, the thing about Nathaniel in the, in the Bible story was how Jesus, um, he saw him, and nobody, I guess, knows what, what he saw him doing, but he said he saw him under the fig tree and whether he was praying, or, but he knew that he was a devout man. And I think the thing that Nathaniel was flipped out and freaked out about was that um, Jesus recognized that he saw him. Like, how were you able? And it was the Thomas moment where he said, "My Lord and my God." You know, mm-hmm. and he just. And uh, I, I think you carry that. I, I feel that with you. Well, so funny story. My middle name is Thomas. Uh, oh my <laughs> so, goodness! Here we go. So yeah, that's that's been an interesting uh, an interesting coupling of, of, of patrons as it were because on the one hand the man who's without guile and on the other hand the man who must put his hands in the side of Christ uh, to be sure and so uh, the burden of not being much for guile and games but also uh, wanting certainty which is I think for all of us right now in this time a, a tough thing because we we can't always have the certainty that we want but we can be certain in our Lord that he loves us and he'll he'll look out for us did you discern the priesthood I did, so I agonized over <laughs> whether or not I should become a priest. So all of my brothers were altar servers, uh, some of us for quite a long time, and so everybody thought, oh, yeah, one of the Rhea boys. I, th- there are four of us boys together. Um, and my dad is well-known in the community. He's now actually a deacon. And, um, yeah, there was there was the sense that one of the Rhea boys was certainly going to be a priest. And uh, so I discerned pretty seriously for about four years. I didn't didn't go to seminary, but I discerned and discerned uh, what God was, was wanting. And it he made it very clear uh, at one point that indeed no, uh, he was calling me to marriage, but um, but it was something I thought about and prayed about for a long, long time. Would you mind sharing what, what how it was so clear? What what made it clear? What was it? So, uh, I went to um, a conference, a charismatic conference, uh, and we had an experience of the Holy Spirit, and it just had this profound uh, experience of healing, inner healing from some sort of. Uh, demonic oppression, I'll call it that, um, and just sort of the the lies that Satan had told me and, and these things that were spoken over my life. And in that moment of, of sort of openness and, and healing and uh, vulnerability, someone there had said, hey, you need to, to become a priest. This is what God wants from you. You need to come join this order. And in that moment, I said, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Wonderful. And almost very immediately, it, be, it became very... Um, clear that that was not what God was saying. And so I was like, wait, God, are you saying this? Or are you not saying this? So, so there's a lot of uncertainty. And I was praying about it and praying about it. And again, reading my Bible and opened to, um, I think it was, I think it's Timothy, the uh, book of Timothy. And where it talks about how in the end times, people will shun marriage and uh, basically uh, deny the goodness of marriage and so on and so forth. And that kind of struck me. And then I, I felt a prompting of the Holy Spirit that don't let evil spirits lie to you. You know what you're supposed to do. I told you in your mother's womb. And I just had this deep peace cool. that uh, that I was supposed to be married. Uh, I didn't know my current, uh, my, my, my one and only, my true love, my wife at that time. But um, 
but that was that was made clear at that moment. That is awesome. So tell us, it's a good Cajun love story. How did y'all meet? And <laughs> <laughs> so my wife is from Kansas, uh, little Dorothy, but she ain't in Kansas anymore. Uh, we both met at Hillsdale College. Uh, she transferred in her junior year, and she was actually my best friend's cousin. And we met actually at Mass. And then her cousin, who was supposed to give her a tour, said, hey, I've got to go to class. Can you take her and her dad to lunch? And so I ended up kind of giving them a tour of campus and talking through things. I don't bore you with the long story, but uh, we started dating, and then we weren't dating for a while. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a time of uh, kind of discernment for both of us and both of us growing. And then it became pretty clear that it was just something we should, we should pursue. Sure. Now... That proves that my mother was right. She used to say, you know, all you young Cajun Catholics out there, where are you, where are you supposed to meet your significant other? In church, right? <laughs> Not in the bar. Uh, grocery store, I guess, is okay maybe. But, you know, my mom always, oh, you know, look for some little girl in church. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, though. I have an elderly uh, – elderly. I have a friend my age. I am getting elderly uh, that um, lost his wife. And um, he's on the dating scene, if you want to call that, which is a misery for him at, at our age. I'm 54 years old. And um, I told him, be careful, because if you meet a girl and you invite her to mass, that for you might not be a big deal. But for that lady, that's a big deal. <laughs> and I, and he, he, he uh, you know, that that'll get you in trouble because that's for, for a lot of ladies out there that boy, man, you have a guy take him to mass. That's that's like ah, yeah. that's the golden moment there. I think that's that means you might be a keeper. <laughs> but uh, you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Mr. Nathaniel Ria. He is the headmaster at John Paul Academy here in Lafayette. Um, I'm ashamed to say I don't know a lot about the John Paul Academy, and it's right here in, in what I call Upper Lafayette. And I'm I'm a lifelong Lafayette and Catholic. Tell us about the school, how it started, and, and sure. um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So John Paul the Great Academy was founded in 2007 with Dr. Kevin Roberts, actually right, right across the road here, um, next to Prejean's restaurant. Wow. And so that was uh, kind of humble beginnings. There's a little rundown house that's still there uh, that was part of the school, and they had a few uh, modular buildings as well. And then by the grace of God, they were able to uh, purchase, and through the, I should say the grace of God and the generosity of a lot of good people, they were able to purchase the land uh, that belonged to the Christian Brothers and was uh, sort of their, their formation house there on Carmel Drive. So we're right next to the diocese, uh, next to, um, which is next to the Carmel. Um, Carmelites. Carmel yes. Monastery, yeah. So that's a kind of holy ground over there. That which is, is holy ground. It's a huge blessing. So the school started out very small, very, uh, very uh, much in the hands of God, as it still is, of course, but a lot of sacrifice, a lot of grace went into maintaining the school and keeping it going. Right now, we're at uh, 360 number of students this year. Uh, next year, looking for a little bit of growth, but the school's been on a, a really interesting track. The goal and the in the founding by Dr. Kevin Roberts, which I think his vision was, was so beautiful, after the death of John Paul the Great, he sort of had this inspiration that uh, he wanted to start a school. And he really wanted a saint, a patron that was going to manifest or, or embody all the things that he wanted to provide to students. And in conversation with him, he shared that, you know, he wanted a, a saint that could uphold the, the church and the, and the value of faith, uh, of course, as saints do, but also the value of education and of learning and the importance of truth. 
alongside that, he saw, and I, I would agree with him, that there's this great beauty in the life of John Paul the Great because of his patriotism, his love of country. And so he had this devout and incredible love for the church and for our Blessed Lady, but the battleground that he chose to fight the communists on was his beloved Poland. It was his homeland. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this idea that we are to love the land that we come from, we are to love the people and the place, was so important for him uh, in selecting a saint uh, to be the patron. Now, as the school has grown, it's really settled into its classical identity. And classical education, for those who don't know, is an education that aims to raise up the person to its highest potential, uh, particularly with regard to uh, virtue, with regard to learning and truth and wisdom, but also in a Catholic context with regard to the faith as well. And to give a little history on that, if you go back to ancient Rome, ancient Greece, it's the sons of kings and noblemen, people who are very wealthy, who are able to afford this kind of education. Everybody else would get training as a carpenter or as, or as a, uh, uh, a stonesmith or something like that, stonemason. And there's nothing wrong with those professions, but they are professions that once you're trained in them, that is, that is what you would do for the rest of your life. You were, you were basically uh, very focused on that one thing. A classical education was an education for those who were going to be leading, those who were going to be discussing things with others, convincing others, uh, putting forth different points of view, those who were going to rule, essentially. And so it was the education of a free man. Fast forward a few years into the uh, Catholic Church being founded, you have a recognition that this classical learning, this philosophy is essential, and of course it's, it's recognized as true, and as we all know, all truth is God's truth, and so it's baptized and brought into the faith and girls start to be educated at a much higher uh, level. I mean, in the ancient world, we only know of about, like literally on one hand, you can count the number of women that we know who actually right. could read and write and, and were brought into the, the sort of human dignity of, of a full education. But with the church, you have, of course, the founding of monasteries and convents and cathedral schools. And still, of course, men are educated more so than women during this time, but there is a significant increase in the education of women. Fast forward to the Renaissance, even more broad, uh, broad spread experience of education amongst men and women, and also amongst classes. So, so people who were poorer started to learn to read more and more as well. Fast forward again into the Enlightenment era, and then you come to this beautiful uh, moment in history, which is the American founding, and all of a sudden it's we the people who are ruling. And so this idea of classical education is very much caught up in this idea of being a free man or woman, and being part of the ruling class. And so for us as Americans, especially in our youngest years, it's so important to learn how to think well, to think for ourselves, and to have the virtue to hold to that truth that we arrive at and not be manipulated by others. Because that's, of course, the, the struggle in any society is not to be bought off by somebody and not to be duped or fooled into thinking something that shouldn't be so. So we feel as, as, as for us as Americans, and it's the next generation of we the people that we're raising, it's so important that we give absolute care to, to their uh, raising up in, in just knowledge generally. Alongside that, we have the next generation, hopefully, of the citizens of heaven, right? So raising up devout saints, people who are going to be guardians of the good, the true, and the beautiful. That's our, our, our mascots, the guardian, and, and that's kind of modeled off of the, the Swiss guard. So this idea that John Paul the Great's life uh, uh, and his teaching, uh, his papal um, inheritance, as, as, as you will, or if you will, is something we want to maintain and uphold and put forth and continue on with our, our future guardians. So. so I'm gonna wrap up what you just said in my words. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hear uh, Cajun Catholic patriots. Uh, I hear that someone who's strong in their faith, rooted in, in history, but also strong in their patriotism. And I really hear in South Louisiana that that's a good mix for us because I think we are very patriotic. And yeah. I know we're deeply Catholic and we're gonna talk about that. 
but um you know and then i hear kind of like tea party-ish a little bit <laughs> <laughs> am i hearing well i you think know? there's a great diversity of families at the school yeah. but but certainly we're where there's definitely a an understanding that our constitution is the most important document that and the declaration of independence yeah. are the most important documents in, in our founding of course the federalist papers and, and other things as well but it's all too easy for a society to lose itself in the midst of a crisis or in the midst of uh whatever comes along whatever um impulse society has at a certain time mm-hmm. and to forget about those founding principles is to lose oneself yeah and again in that tea party connection with you you got boston roots right <laughs> i'm from michigan but i did teach in boston that's uh-huh, true uh-huh. and uh, as, it on over. as my as my uh, superintendent said uh when i worked there he said it's no mistake that the revolution began in boston it's, <laughs> it's a very pugnacious people beautiful people but uh they know their minds so i like to say that cajun uh, Catholics are, are is a mixture of faith and culture, mm-hmm. and you and I talked a little in the car ride over about the depth of the Catholic faith as compared to maybe in other places. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, I've experienced communities that are very culturally Catholic before, and unfortunately found them to be uh, Catholic in, in name only, or at least primarily, so kind of a mile wide but an inch deep. What I've found here in Louisiana and in in Lafayette in particular is that there's this very broad cultural experience of Catholicism, but it's, it's matched, I think, by the devout piety of the lay people. And while Cajuns love their priests, and, and I do too, I'm, I'm so grateful for the blessing we have in our, in our priests and in our bishop, but so much so an understanding that our faith is not just for the priests and for the nuns, but the laity have to own it. And I think very many of the lady that I've, laity that I've met here really do own their faith. They really do have a strong and abiding sense of ownership over their faith, uh, which is beautiful to see. Now, of course, there's always a temptation to do something because grandma did it and because mama said you had to. But to me, the highest ebb of of Catholicism and, and the greatest sanctity comes when we own it ourselves. And it's beautiful to see that in so many of our families and in our kids. So, I mean, you have the, the Christia movement established and, and, and really uh, the home and the heart of the Christia movement is here. I, I haven't been on a Christia myself. But You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Father Ted Broussard is on our, on our, uh, on our board. And uh, Mr. Randy Melanson is our, uh, yeah. has been very involved in that over the years. And he's been, he's been our, uh, our facilities director for the past little while here. So uh, right. lots of blessings that have come to us through that. Of course, you know, where else is there a a procession of the Eucharist down a river rather than here in engaging country? So Father Champagne, who, who was on our board also previously as well, uh, just has been an amazing influence and blessing on our, on our school. So You're surrounded by some really good people. You know, and um, I just wanted to say uh, I'll be happy to sponsor you through Coursera when you're ready. That's <laughs> an official invitation. Thank you. And um, yeah, so you know that was my uh, conversion moment for me in my life, and and I was a cradle Catholic, and yes, I went to mass because they made me and told me to, and I feel like a lot of South Louisiana. That's a good way to explain how we are today, especially with the youth. They have been touched by the Holy Spirit, and that's that moment where you go because you've been told to and then you convert over to you go because you really want to and you you can't imagine life without going which is why uh, during this virus time you know my absence from adoration in the eucharist has really left a void in my life and it's it's, uh and the same thing with mass it's just it's very it's very tangible yeah Um, yeah you know you talk about the evil presence and i feel that you know um when you learn my lesson from Garcia was God is very real and the devil is maybe more real. Mm. And, you know, so uh, I was able to see good and evil and discern a little bit, you know, as I've grown, you know, to see that clearer, much more clear. 
and we see the devil and we see God in this virus that we're going through. And uh, I guess we can talk a little about that. But I, I have personally, I'm an optimistic person. I've seen more good than evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you've been your experience during the lockdown. Well, it was beautiful to see as soon as the, the lockdown and things started, people started waving to each other. Uh, people who wouldn't normally wave and greet just mm-hmm. like, oh, there's another human being, uh, <laughs> which is beautiful to see. I think, un- unfortunately, sometimes now there's, uh, there's you know, maybe a, a hesitancy to connect with human beings because there's there's so much fear being fomented. And I think Satan's definitely encouraging us to be afraid. Even if there are legitimate uh, cautionary measures we should take, there's the reality that Satan always is going to piggyback on any natural thing and make us as afraid as, as he can. Because when we are in fear, we are putty in the hands of Satan. But when we are weak, but give ourselves to God, he is strong and there's nothing stronger than God. And the Lion of Judah roars loud and the Holy Spirit descends upon us with fire and we could live in courage and in peace, knowing that our God has our backs and we can do all things in him. Nice. I always love the saying, be meek, not weak. You know, yep. that's 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 just like my rule to live by. We have just a few minutes left on the show and I don't want to let him escape out of here We're t- about talking about the project he's got going with their chapel. Yeah. And uh, we need everyone to give to this worthy cause and tell us how you can and what it's about. Sure. So uh, we're trying to put a new roof on our chapel, a really simple new steel roof. The, the building's been around for over half a century and uh, the roof hasn't been replaced in that time. And it's it shows inside when it rains. So uh, we want to keep the rain on the outside and the dry on the inside. Uh, it's a place and a building that's so important to the life of our campus. It's where all of our students and families come together for mass. It's where our students eat together in the refectory every day. There's art. Uh, the art classroom is in there. The music classroom is in there as as well as a couple of other upper school classrooms. But it's really kind of a, a place that all of the students and all of the teachers use every day. And uh, we have buckets in the hallway uh, when it rains. We have clean up afterwards. And that's that's something that really shouldn't be so in the house of God. And so that's something that we're really hoping to, to, um, to, to address. We need to raise $20,000 more. That's kind of our goal at this point to to get up over the hump and, and pay for that project to make sure that the kids are dry and that our Lord has a, a place that's dignified for his worship. Now, you know, he's been talking about the lay people and getting them energized, and, and, they, and it is. And you, people need to listen to this radio talk show, especially today, because it's so important, because it is the heart and soul of Cajun country and, and the Cajun Catholics is the laity. And that's the inspiration for this show for me. I said there's so many great people that, that need to be heard that are – just those regular people, just lay people that uh, lo- love the Lord and that love their Catholic faith. And I, I wanted to uh, have an opportunity to showcase those people. And um, without much of a plan, we've been on the air maybe almost a year now, and it's been beautiful. And there's an unlimited amount of guests out there because there's so many people in, in South Louisiana that are that deep, that, that represent that deepness that you, you spoke of. So give with your hearts, uh, you know, if you're at home or you, you're, you're like me, I, my kids are now out of high school and I don't really have a, a school to donate to, but they, this is a very worthy cause and we need to, to make it happen. How can they donate? So they can go on our website, jpgacademy.org, and they can uh, look for the donate button, and that's a great way to do it. Or they can call the school. All the information is there on the website, jpgacademy.org. And, uh, of course, when they call us, they can talk to one of our uh, great office people, and they'll direct them to uh, the best way that works for that family and that individual. It's been a real a real pleasure. It's going by so fast. You'll have to come back and, uh, and visit with us again. Uh, thank you so much, Nathaniel, for your blessing to our community. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. Pleasure, All right. God. God bless you. You've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. We're a marriage of culture and faith, and we always ask you to, uh, like we said with the lay people, we want to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. Thank you so much.